Today is September 30th, season three, episode 33. That's a lot of threes, Decky. How are we doing today? Dude, we're feeling great, Andy, adversity. You didn't even give me a nickname. What am I this week? Decky shoulder plane. Decky shoulder plane, dude. They're about to film a documentary on these shoulders. But what they should film a documentary on is our guest this week, James Farrow. He has a pretty amazing story. Uh, we got to know him because we were challenged uh, by Mary Lavore, who is a recent podcast guest of ours. And then uh, another podcast of ours, Austin Harrington, who we played with at St. Thomas, was uh, his adopted brother which is very cool. His family took in James in uh, seventh grade. But you guys are going to love his story about um, playing D1 football, transferring, becoming a musician, having that as his fuel source for his story, and everything that he's done is pretty incredible from L.A. to New York to here. Awesome story, Jimmy. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing it. Let's get it. Talking to my buddy Brandon on the phone uh, from Social Butterfly. Yes, yeah, pulls he it. Said, yeah, he said he was just on. I still don't. I still butcher his last name to this day. I talk to him a few times a week. We link up. We've done tons of business together. I did Lincoln Drink, and I still butcher his last name. Mm-hmm. And so, Polazuk, I think. Polazuk. I would say Polasuk. Yeah, Polazuk. That works <laughs> that, too, though. Oh, I, he, if he's gonna see this and be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon. But you, uh, you crushed that Lincoln Drink, right? That where you were uh, sitting in the back, and it was it was kind of loud because that room kind of yeah. echoed a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, when you, when it was your turn to talk, or when you were willing to participate, you you just killed it, and you thank were providing you. value, and I really appreciated the time yeah. that you gave all of the audience. So of course, well of done, course. man. Yeah, thank you, man. And there's so many people that came up after that didn't necessarily get to ask questions, and so that was even cooler because I actually got to have a full conversation with kids and just kind of give them my insight, talk about my failures, and you know some of the things I did wrong. Because I feel like that's where the best advice comes from. Is like, here's how I messed up. I don't know if I can swear on here. I almost you did. Can, hey, you can. Oh, okay, gotcha. yeah, you well, here's where I fucked up. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, don't make the same mistakes. And you go into a little more detail than that. But I feel like that means a lot more to people than being like, yeah, man, you can be anything you want to be. Just keep grinding. Grind mode. Hashtag. Like, that's all crap. You got to tell people how you messed up. And, mm-hmm. and that's where the real advice and the real value shows. Absolutely. I agree. And I think this is a great opportunity to dive right in and break down your story, Pharaoh. We know you a little bit, talked off air and heard you at Lincoln Drink. Mm -hmm. Uh, We listened to you on Austin Harrington's AOG podcast. AOG, shout out, merch just dropped. Yes, sir. (laughs) Love that. Um, But our marketing interns, our listeners don't necessarily know you. And I would love to start um, when you got, after, let's start uh, at high school, when you're getting those offers um, to go play the next level in college because you're talking to two ex-athletes that were involved in the recruiting process and realized how draining and exhausting it is just to show your worth to other people. And we're doing it to division three schools and a couple D one double a, and you're doing it at the highest level. So I'd love to break down that recruiting process and kind of your mindset throughout high school. I was like dead set on going D one. Cause every, I don't know if you guys listen to hip hop music that much, but it seems like every hip hop artist is like, Oh, my teacher said I wasn't going to be shit. It's like, yeah, fucking right. No teachers going up to some kid being like, you know what, Jimmy, you're not going to be shit ever. Like, that's all crap. In my case, it was my coaches. So I I had no idea I even had D1 offers to start because my coach was getting all my mail. 
and he was keeping it from me for whatever reason. If he wanted me to be focused on the team, focused on, you know, the summer workouts or whatever it was. Um, so I actually didn't even know I had D1 offers. And so I ended up going home, making my own highlight film based on um, my past year, cut it up myself, edited it myself. It was crap looking back on it now. What song um, did you put to it in the background? Uh, it was, oh, God. I think it was Fireman, Lil Wayne, Fireman. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, Fireman, <laughs> Fireman. Fire yeah, I think that's what it was. Uh, um, but I ended up making my own film, and then um, I would call coaches every day after school. You can find, like, a directory uh, online. You can find in the directory, like, links to the different offices and, you know, whatever. And I would call coaches every single day after school for two hours and just be like, hey, like, can I talk to, you know, so-and-so? Can I talk to so-and-so? Were you and going like, top programs like uh, big oh, time yeah. school, ACC, oh, yeah, top yeah, yeah, line? Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, you know, it's like anything. Once you get your first offer, the rest just start flooding in. Mm. Um, but I actually committed to the U of M to start. That's where my dad played. And so I wanted to follow in his footsteps. And uh, I was what, Tim Brewster. And so uh, I actually, this is, I don't think anyone knows this story, but I'll tell it. So I'm committed to the U of M, right? Big recruit. It was like a huge deal. Um, and, and I was really happy about it, following my fa- my father's footsteps. Um, but Dr. Bragg, I went number to, one player in the in Minnesota at the time, right? What Tommy Olson and me? It is depending on where you look. I because I've posted this before, being like you know, posted one of my highlights, like throwback to being the number one player. And Tommy replied, and he goes number one with the little eyes. And so <laughs> there's a little rivalry there. I love Tommy though. Um, okay. But so I go to one of the practices where they had like they invited the recruits or whatever. And so I went up to Tim Brewster. Hey, you know, hi, Coach Brewster. Just want to say hello, you know, whatever. Shook his hand. And when he shook my hand, he was, like, looking around the room and, like, didn't look at me or really even acknowledge me. I decommitted that day. Wow. Decommitted that day. I was like, fuck this guy. The power of eye contact. Yeah, man. Show some respect when you meet somebody. Or, you know, when you're talking to someone. I'd already met him. He offered me the whole shebang. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm supposed to be a big recruit. You're not showing me any love. You're looking around like I don't exist. Whatever it was that he had on his mind, I don't know, but it cost him his top recruit in the recruiting class at the time. Damn. Yeah. That I mean, that just speaks to you out of looking in peer peer evaluation. Like you're you're on it. You're 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 evaluating the person across from you right away. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from there, you're I mean, what you're calling all these coaches. So mm-hmm. were you getting letters or finding out you got letters? Yeah. And then basically calling the respective university coach or yeah. Record, so I, recruiting I had coordinator? like you know a list of. First of all, I can't believe that, like, I can't believe the recruiting process, the way that they let a 16-year-old decide his future. It's insane, because I had a whole list of schools that I completely blocked off because they were sponsored by Adidas. And I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I was, like, 16. I'm like, Michigan, ah, can't do it. It's got to be Nike. And, like, me, Austin, my, my brother Austin, we were on the same page. I was like, yo, if it's Adidas, like, gross. This mm-hmm. is before Adidas came back, like, being a, a much trendier. Sure. Yeah. This is when Adidas was still like, oh, come on. It was like yeah. Under Armour cleats. You know what I mean? It was like, dude. <laughs> the Land Sharks, of yeah, course. Yeah, you get busted <laughs> in those things, man. Um, and so, yeah, so I had, you know, blocked off a whole bl- batch of schools that were great programs simply because they were sponsored by Adidas. That, to me, is insane that I even had that option. Like, that is sick, dude. There's got to be some. There's got to be something done in the recruiting process. I don't know what it is. But it's it's the same thing with student loans. Like you're letting an 18 year old kid take out a hundred and eighty thousand dollar loan. Like that is so crazy to me that they let us do that. And, you know, you do it because that's your only option or you think it is. You don't get taught anything about it in school. Like you don't understand the responsibility you're taking on. 
Like that is nuts. And then when you're actually responsible and you're 30 and you want a $180,000 loan, they're like, ah, can't do it. Don't trust you anymore. Yeah, you can't do it. Don't trust you anymore. And no, by the way, like your credit score is not good enough to like buy a car because you're $100,000 in debt. Yeah, dude, it's insane. insane. It's nuts. Um, But yeah, so I was calling coaches every day and I would call the top programs, ask for the head coach. And you'd be surprised how many times I got him. And I'd be like, hey, coach, I had sent over my film. I just want to check and see if you watched it. And he go, oh, you know, we'll watch it this week and give us a call back. And I'd give him a call back, and that's how it worked. And they would actually answer. And, you know, I don't know what it's like now, but at the time, that's what I was doing. And I got so many different scholarship offers, along with going to every single camp I could. I probably went to, like, 30 camps because Minnesota doesn't get as much respect yeah. as far as, like, Either athletics just Colorado. And, and football. I was from Colorado. Yeah, you know, so you got to go out of state. And so I yeah. know, like, we went down to Florida. We went to Michigan, uh, Michigan State. We went to Indiana, you know, we went wherever we possibly could mm-hmm. to go ball out at these Nike camps and uh, invite-only camps and all that stuff. And that's where I got a lot of my scholarship offers. I also want to say how real quick, how much of a racket are those camps? Like, they – I mean, invite-only is one thing. Yeah. And that, those have, you know, XYZ sponsors. And yeah. those all those kids typically are elite. Mm. Um, but, like – no, there's I, the showcases. The showcases. That are trash. Yeah. They're like, yeah, $400 and you could have your dreams. You're just preying on kids that, and and their parents who feel like they don't want to hinder their kid from, you know, doing what they want to do, whatever. But they're charging so much money just like preying on kids' dreams. I had a, a guy that helped me and Austin with recruiting. He's an absolute scam. He's yeah. an absolute scam. He'd be like, oh, you know, you know, I'm in touch with Ball State and da-da-da and all these different places. And so finally we went to Ball State. This was for Austin, my brother's recruiting. And they'd never even heard of this guy. Like, he was taking yeah. know, a few hundred bucks a week from us, saying he was calling and doing all this stuff on our behalf. Nothing. And it's just you're preying on people's dreams and, you know, the parents that feel like they want to give their kid the world mm-hmm. and give them the best chance that they have. And it was really fucked up to me. Yeah, I agree. It was it was definitely tougher being like the kid who was like the zero star recruit white kid who wasn't like that good. Oh no, being white in football is probably the worst thing. You oh can man, do. it was awful. <laughs> that is, and I I truly truly think that. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to talk about racism? Like, <laughs> that, the only way that a straight white male can be like accused of having racist things happen to them is in athletics. Yes. Like, then you are actually discriminated against. Like, yes, if you have two people of the same athleticism, same skill set, and one is black, one is white, you're going D1, you're not. Like, that's <laughs> fucked. Mm-hmm. And so and well, you're maybe you bring that up in an argument when someone's like, oh, you're a straight you're a straight white male. Like, what, how can you say that? You know, you're like, listen, I've been discriminated against. And you can be like, <laughs> hey, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what you got in your back pocket right mm-hmm. there. There I, you go. I played cornerback, so, I, I mean, that's like, like – <laughs> Oh, skill position? Skill no, position, yeah, you're DB, screwed. you're not, oh, yeah. you're not getting no, a lot of love were, out there. If you were light-skinned like me, you, you know what I'm saying? Yep. They might have gave you a little more love. <laughs> yeah, see, like, when I went on my tour around – I went on the East Coast primarily because mm-hmm. I had, like, a decent ACT score. I wanted to go to Catholic school. So I went to, like, Villanova, Bucknell, um, Penn – Princeton Brown like I hit all those ones mm-hmm. and it was so funny like it would be like a kind of a predominantly like average white guy um camp but yeah. then like one black kid would show up and he would just torch everybody ball out and they're like giving this kid all the props like I'm sure they had a scholarship on his way out like oh, it was yeah. just like so funny to watch a, a college coach just get like starry-eyed over like his one prospect yeah. amongst the other 500 they don't give a shit about. <laughs> dude, <laughs> it's so funny. It's yeah. sad, dude, because I watched it with Austin. 
Like, Austin would go to these camps and tear these kids up. Black, white, Asian, didn't matter. Mm-hmm. He would go to these camps. Quick He'd run one-on-ones, and he, he caught everything. He had great routes. And, like, his biggest problem was that he was a white kid. Had he been a black kid, he, I think his recruiting process would have been a lot different. Mm-hmm. And I think he would admit that. Maybe he wouldn't. He might be too humble to, to say it out loud. But I'll say it for him. <laughs> I'm a little more outspoken than my brother is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, dude, I, I watched it firsthand. It was, you know, such a bummer. Yep. Yeah, that and, is crazy. Yeah. And, and then you uh, you end up committing to Virginia Tech. Yeah, it was after a long process. I decided, like, after my junior season that I was going to go to Virginia Tech. I took an official visit there. It was between Virginia Tech and uh, Miami. So I got a lot of family in Miami. And so uh, I kind of was like, I wanted to be with my family, reconnect with that side. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, there was something about Virginia Tech that just was like, dude, all the DBs that went there that started two or more years – like got drafted for like seven years running. This is when they were like top five in the country. And I was like, dude, this is my chance to go to the pros. If I can start two years here, like redshirt a year, sit behind someone a year and then start, you know, two years after that, I'm like, you're going to get drafted. You're going to get a shot. And so that's like where my mindset was. Mm -hmm. And they were sponsored by Nike. Dope. So I was like, dude, I'm in. Yeah. You had this killer mindset going in, but you still had this love for music and Mm -hmm. that love was starting to uh, gain a lot more traction because you're at Virginia Tech for now one year Mm -hmm. and you're like, things are switching. The tides are turning. You're ready to invest into music a little bit more heavily. Walk me through that experience of deciding no longer to play football and to invest a little bit more into your music career. Yeah. So it had my, my time playing football. I was never in love with the game. I loved the prestige. I loved everyone watching me and being the star and like, you know, being attention whore, whatever you want to call it. Um, That's the part that I loved about sports in general. Um, But with music, that's where I would, you know, find my passion, where I'd be in my bedroom by myself, like having the time of my life just making music. And so since I was in high school, I had a little bedroom set up. And then I bought an even better one when I got to college. So even when I first got there that first summer, I had a whole music set up in my dorm room. And I'd be recording after practice and all that type of stuff. Um, but I stopped playing because I just got a bunch of different injuries and just got burnt out. And so um, I think I told this to Austin, too. I Googled farthest city from Blacksburg, Virginia. Mm. And it was like L.A. and San Diego. And I'd never even been to California. And so... Then I just called up the coaches at San Diego and told them I wanted to play there and transfer just so I could get in. Um, and then I got there and didn't play. And then I started making music more seriously. Gotcha. Joined a fraternity. And then all my fraternity brothers, like, got on board with all my music stuff. And so I started doing concerts, open up for Kid Ink when he was, like, huge that summer. No way. Yeah. And so, um, and so that's kind of how, like, things really took a turn towards music the injury bug like really it's exhausting. Yeah, and it was really organic though it wasn't like mm-hmm. okay this is my next thing it was just this is what i've always done sure um and so once i started doing some shows i got some recognition some people in la wanted to work with me so i moved up to la with one of my buddies and um yeah then Damn, it kind of went from there insane. you moved up to la from san diego yeah and did you finish school at san diego no i still have like 24 credits left okay. my parents are pissed about <laughs> so i'm like 20 i'm like a semester and a half away from my finance degree okay um but i was like dude i'm making music i've already done so many things in business now um not a lot of people know this but i own a car dealership out in andover me and two of my buddies bought it maybe a year ago um so i'm always doing like business stuff and i'm working on closing a deal actually tomorrow um hopefully if i can get called back on this i can tell you guys more about that and how it went um, but I got some cool stuff on, on the business side of things 
that um, I think I use some of my education, but it's dude, it's all experience. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think getting a degree right now in, in my life wouldn't do a single thing. Yeah, that's and what that I was going to touch yeah. on. Like it's it's not that it's not worth it for those people that are in college, but for the experiences and the opportunities that you were given yeah. at the time, it makes perfect sense. Um, but when you were at USD, I know you had um, that was like a good launch pad for mm-hmm. your music career. Uh, what were because I my sister went to usd for two years and i know oh, that nice. is just like the biggest party school of all time so like was it that party culture that acted as well, a launch pad or was there like yeah there's sdsu USD. and usd mm-hmm. so sdsu is actually like known as the party school it in is san yeah diego. usd is like it's like the saint thomas of san yeah. diego but they like those guys throw down and they have just so much money in that school oh, it's yeah. insane dude it, it was nuts um but i don't know i think dude joining a fraternity was probably like the biggest leap of faith for me that I've had in at least up to this point in my life. Cause I was like, so out on that. Like, I'm like, Oh, you're paying for friends. Like what kind of shit is that? You know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, cool. You like got parties and stuff, but like, I didn't really care about that type, that type of thing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I met a kid in class and, um, he was in that fraternity and he was like, dude, just rush. And like, I asked around and this was like the best fraternity on campus. So I decided to suicide rush, didn't rush a single other one. I was like, if I get in, cool. If I don't, then whatever, then I'm not going to do it. Um, and it ended up being one of the coolest experiences, man. It's just like football, basketball, whatever. It's like a team sport, except for the sport is partying and like hooking up with chicks. <laughs> thing, right. Yep. Um, but it was just like it was so much more of a brotherhood than I thought it would be. That's dope. Really cool. Sweet. So going uh, to L.A., living with your buddy, um, mm-hmm. trying to make it in the music scene. Walk me through that, man. That's a freaking leap of faith in itself. Yeah, dude. I mean, we lived in a shithole apartment in the butthole of Hollywood, which everyone who's not from L.A. like thinks like, oh, Hollywood, like it's amazing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you think Hollywood's the place to be. Hollywood is trash. Anyone that like has lived in L.A. for a year or so moves out of Hollywood so quickly because it is like the worst part of L.A. Just and not, not a lot of money invested that? in there yeah. or just no it's just dude it's traffic the dirtiest most yeah. touristy doesn't feel like california it's landlocked like it is just oh it's garbage and i was like the starry-eyed kid from minnesota being like oh i'm moving to hollywood baby like mm-hmm. yeah i'm probably on my story like let's go and then <laughs> i get there and it's just so garbage yeah when we uh we've talked about this a few times like going out to la like how would that change back pockets uh trajectory mm-hmm. and we know that we would get chewed up and spitting out alive I, we... I don't know about that okay but uh, right now sorry. we don't know yeah right now going in we were like we need to lay a foundation that has just it's extremely sturdy that if we do see failure we can continue to push through it mm-hmm. and i like applaud you for going in blind like having really yeah. no foundation and just taking yeah. it on whatever yeah comes for to sure you. Mm-hmm. and i mean if i did it again i'd do it so much di- like differently than i did the first time just because like we we're talking about experience is the end all be all for knowing what to do in life yeah um so if i did it again which i may may not i don't know um i would do it so much differently though and so like with you guys i don't think you guys would get chewed up and spit out in la like there's because all you guys are doing is going to a place to have people talk about themselves mm-hmm. in a place that everyone wants to talk about themselves. That's a good point. Like you guys are offering so much value. Right. So I was coming to L.A. trying to get value. You know what I mean? You guys are going and bringing value. And obviously it works both ways with you guys in this type of platform. Mm-hmm. I think you guys could do really well if you had, you know, a little springboard of like hitting up people in your network like who do i know in la who does this person know in la can you right. set some things up for the first couple months and then 
keep you know networking and out use from there. that as the foundation yeah if you guys could just set up your first three months and have those locked in with some really cool people that you guys are excited about i think you guys could do really well in la all right, now I see oh, it. Yeah, now you're getting makes excited. More sense. Yeah. yeah, I don't you know, know if we really saying, ever yeah. thought it. No, through. I see that. For sure. <laughs> yeah, like well, we you guys are offering value. Mm-hmm. Just, you know what I'm saying? It's not yeah. just like you're going and trying to make it as an actress. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's saying. a good point. And I think like kind of what you're getting at is it's not like I, I think Andrew and I what we're trying to work on right now is like trying to find the people that need the value mm-hmm. um, because we're here to provide it. Like we're more or less amplifiers. Like for anyone that wants to amplify their brand, what they're doing and how they're doing it, then you come on the back pocket. And mm-hmm. we've built an a, an amplification formula or a platform to do so. Um, so it would be interesting to see how that works. Yeah. I'm very interested. Dude, there's some way. cool stuff that you guys can do with this type of platform, even in the cities to get like bigger people, like figuring out a deal with um, like some of the people that own the venues for like music artists and yeah obviously that's where my thoughts are right is music yeah like figuring out who you know owns the different establishments and when they have someone come in being like hey can we like add on 300 bucks to have this guy come stop by or can we set up in his green room and do a quick 30 minute podcast with you know xyz artists or you know what i'm saying yeah like pmb rock or so you know whoever's in town mm-hmm. like that to me could be a no-brainer what artist doesn't want to get more fans in the market that they're already coming to yeah. and then get a few extra hundred bucks and you'll pull up to them and set up in their green room. He literally has to just sit here and pregame and, and talk, talk about shit, himself. You yeah. know what I'm like, <laughs> that's it. That's yep. a no brainer. Like this is a type of thing where I've said yes to, I think every podcast I've ever been asked. I probably done. I, this is my fourth one this month actually. Uh, yeah. I realized you were on Nick stationary astronaut, yeah. uh, Austin. And then, yeah. And then I did, um, I did one in LA Okay, with, uh, I forget what the name of it. It was like 10 minutes long. Yeah, just a quick um, in and out. Yeah, it was like mm-hmm. an in and out. Um, but then this one. And I'm, I always say yes. Sweet. Why wouldn't I want to go talk about my story and myself and then provide value for people? And, like, I think that this is such a brilliant idea. And it's coming around to where, like, podcast is, like, becoming trendy. Like, I was on Tim Ferriss, like, you were on Tim Ferriss years ago. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, yeah, dude. Sorry, I sorry. wish. Yeah. No, that. Yeah, no, <laughs> I need sorry. to be a better listener as, as a no, that was my fault because I did say on. Yeah. Um, okay. But no, I was like listening to Tim Ferriss like six, seven years ago, mm-hmm. like listening to different podcasts and yeah. stuff. Me and one of my buddies, Christian, we used to always like listen to these different podcasts when it was like you were nerdy if you listen to podcasts. Yep. And now it's like such a trendy thing. Yeah. And this is like the perfect time for you guys to be like really start to invest and like take off. I agree. So right. I'm really, I'm I think really there's stoked for you guys. I think there's a lot there, and I, I'm, I'm, we're excited to talk more about it off air because I think yeah. there's something there. Um, and kind of going off that trend of you providing value to our listeners, and that's what you, exactly what you're doing. Who was someone in the music industry when you're out there in LA, or maybe later, a little bit later on, mm-hmm. that offered their hand and, and was a, a huge like guiding light and kind of helped you navigate through those tough uh, trenches? Um, I I don't know. I don't feel like I've ever had like a real mentor to like just say hey man like you got talent here's what you need to do and like here's the things to avoid i haven't really had that but i've had different artists that i've worked with and different producers and stuff like that give me some like great advice and i i always talk about this dude sammy adams he is the coolest person ever he's the nicest dude i thought he was going to be just a douchebag when i like first decided to go on tour with him um but he's just the coolest dude and we still keep in touch all the time and he's someone that gives me amazing advice. Always, always has a you know open ear and like takes the time to like hit you back. And he's I don't know if he's just always on his phone or whatever, but he texts back faster than my girlfriend. It's insane because most people look and be like, 
ah, I don't want to like text back right away and be thirsty. Or that. He doesn't give a shit about anything like that. He'll text me back like, shoo, shoo, and it just comes right back, which is like makes it nice. But um, he gives me some of the best advice, I think. Dope. That's awesome. Yeah. So when did you go on tour with Sammy? Um, well, I did what four different tours with wow. Sammy in the last like year and a half. Um, and so let's see. In the last year and a half, like yeah, wow, yeah, congrats. So I think the last leg ended in January. Okay, I want to say, yeah. What's it like going on tour with like a big name like that? Nuts, it is nuts. (laughs) Because it's like, dude, you go to these towns, right? And you're the coolest thing that's happening for you know hundreds of miles. Because you're just in the middle of nowhere a lot of times with these little college towns. It was like college tours. Okay, so you're going to different schools and like you're drake for a night because there's nothing else going on yeah and so dude it's it's such a blast and just being able to perform my own music Mm. with like all my buddies and you're just road tripping for you know a month at a time just eating shit and drinking too much and dude it's it's legendary yeah that's kind of what i'm that's what i wanted to ask you too like you know following the i mean i don't want to i don't want to put words in your mouth but like going on tour as pharaoh like Mm -hmm. is that a goal of yours first and foremost oh yeah okay absolutely so absolutely with that being said do you think you'll be able to handle like the tour life already having a little bit of taste of it with a big name yeah i i definitely think yeah he's like because i'm dude i can turn it on and turn it off like when it's time to be business mode like i'm all about business i'm never late to sound check I make sure everything is on point exactly how I want it. If it's not, we do it again. If it's not, we do it again. Like I'm like, cause I'm the one that has to be up there in front of 4,000 kids that don't even know who I am yet. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I have one shot to be a firework up there, get in, get out and like have a blast. So everything has to be on point. It's not until after when, you know, we cut loose and like start having fun and, and all that type of thing. And when I feel myself, start to get sick or like you know you start getting a cold it's like all right it's time to dial it back and like my buddies might still go out and i'll hang back and sleep or whatever yeah and but it's always music first business first and then partying and all that stuff second yeah so were you on like a tour bus or did you stay in like hotels along the way so uh, one of them we were on a bus and then the other three we were um just staying in airbnbs which we would like dude i think we're all banned from airbnb (laughs) we would throw these huge parties at, in these different cities and like so one time we were in uh god what's that? i can't remember what city we were in but this dude had ring you know that shark tank little doorbell like ring and it's like yeah. motion activated so they oh, get like gotcha. a 15 yep. second video and so the guy i'm like he calls me and i'm like everyone like quiet down quiet down da, da, da. and my clothes is james and he's like uh are you having a party at my house and i was like absolutely not he goes, well, I have video footage of about 15 young women walking into my home. And I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, yeah, you know, I was just having them over there from college um, just to come visit. But I can send them out. And We're like, eating pizza. Yeah, no. And he, like, <laughs> reported us and, like, all his stuff. And, like, oh, dude, it was gnarly. But it, that was, like, I wish I had that video because it was just chicks. Just rolling <laughs> through. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but, I mean, I'm pretty good on tour. I don't yeah. I, I don't, uh, I don't dip. I cannot wait fans, to send you, you this know? this video later on when you're actually on tour. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll check back in. Yeah, perfect. The uh, how so I guess back in one more time. How did you get in touch with Sammy? Um, me and Sammy at the time had the same manager. Oh, okay. So Max Zotz, he's still my manager, and um, 
I, I think he still does some stuff with Sammy, but Sammy's kind of taking a step back. He's on Beats One Radio. He has, like, his own show on there now. Okay. okay. Um, and so Max was, like, talking to Sammy, like, hey, dude, I want to bring Pharaoh on tour. I want Pharaoh to come on tour. And I don't think Sammy was, like, about it for a while. Um, but eventually he was, like, sure, like, have him have him pull up and do, like, eight dates or something like that. And we were just boys after that. And so he brought me out, you know, Zombie Pub Crawl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was on Zombie Pub Crawl, um, not this last year, the year before that, like brought me out on stage. We did our song together. Like we got a couple of different records together and it came to my studio. I've never seen someone do as much drugs as Sammy and be normal. Like, really? It was like, dude, you are a veteran. Yep. You know what I mean? Like I'm saying like, so I at my recording studio. I don't know if any police watch this. If they do, I'm fucked. But. I'll keep like different stuff there, right? For whoever comes. Hospitality through. purposes. Yeah, exactly. For mm-hmm. and it'll sit on my shelf for however long, right? Because I don't really dabble when I'm making music and stuff. Um, I might have a couple beers and with my producer or whatever, just cutting loose. But I don't like get fucked up when I make music. But I'll keep different stuff there that you know, whoever comes through, whatever your vice is, I can provide. <laughs> and I mean, he must have touched every th- single thing. And was still in there, like, cutting verses, like, making music. I was like, dude, this is crazy. Like, this is crazy. Sammy but, Adams. Who would have thought? <laughs> Not me. Yep. I'll tell you that. That's um, but, yeah, insane. that's that's the homie, though. Yeah, that's Good awesome. Dude. So when did you go from L.A. to New York? Was that, like, the direct trend? Is that the d- next st- step in the story? Or mm-hmm. how did it Yeah, go? no, I signed a record deal with Sony. Oh, nice. Um, and then, so that's why I put out, like, my first official single. Okay. Is when I moved to New York. And that was really cool at the time. Like to start off, it was really cool. Yeah, it's not um, any, not anymore. No, no, I got I got pretty fucked, man. Okay. Yeah, you ever been fucked with no lube? Ty, no. Okay. Well, let me tell you what it feels like. So I sign a record deal. I'm on the radio, like in every state, like all over the radio. This song is called "I'm on a Wave." I hate this song now. But at the time, it was booming. I'm in all the clubs, like, doing radio promotion, getting flown out to doing different shows, like, everything paid for, da-da-da. And then the song wasn't performing as well on social – or, like, on Spotify and the streaming platforms as I thought it would. And so I go to my management, like, hey, you know what's going on? And they're like, oh, you know, we just got to get more budget money from the label because I had, like, a $175,000 budget for one song, right? So I'm thinking, oh, this is going to boom turns out these guys were taking money off the top so the label would say you know here's five grand for you know this type of promotion they would spend like 800 on the promotion and then keep the rest of the money oh man and they did that they ran up a a bill of like forty five thousand dollars that was supposed to go into my pocket and they kept it and so i had to lawyer up and this girl paula bloomquist who i went to high school with her mom is a lawyer and so she did a little pro bono, helped me out, like, off of a Facebook message. Mm-hmm. Wow. I was like, dude, Paula, like, can your mom possibly help me? Like, I can't afford a lawyer. Like, I was eating once a day. I was completely broke because these guys weren't giving me any of the money I was making. And they were just keeping it all. I'm like, how can you come to my apartment and, like, be around me knowing I can't fucking even afford food? And you're stealing tens of thousands of dollars from me over the course of, like, three or four months. Like, that was so nuts to me. Um, but that's that was, like, when things got dark 
Damn. as far as that. Yeah, yeah, I don't really understand much of the music industry, and like our good friends, uh, Yam House, mm-hmm. uh, they're a local band here, and they're just tr- they're grinding right now, and yeah. that's kind of like the only music industry knowledge I have, and their technique is super creative. But for, when it comes to like the managerial aspect, you hear so many stories like that to just mm-hmm. drive you insane people just aren't very trustworthy and loyal and have a lot of uh, just class man. and that, money changes everything yeah sure like it really does because people you know and i don't know what they had going on like what what drove them to have to steal money right you know what i mean everyone has their own things going on and so i i try and be slow to pass judgment even when someone does something blatantly wrong even towards myself personally um, so I try and be slow to pass judgment, but that was just so fucked to me. And you're just a, you know, you're young and naive and you got this chance to like, you're so close to your dream. You know what I mean? I'm like up on power one Oh five, like these huge radio stations I've seen since I was a kid, you know, being right. with like, you know, Buster rhymes in my studio session and like these New York legends. And I'm like, dude, like, this is so cool. I don't want to rock the boat and be like, Hey, where's my money? You know what I mean? Right. Thinking that long term i'm gonna make way more than maybe something fishy is going on right now um but yeah things went south it was tough damn so from there you uh i mean you you say you don't like that song anymore it's a, it's a decent song give yourself some ah, i i didn't even like it when they put it out i was really? mad that that's the one they chose okay i was like dude this song is so whack to me <laughs> but it was so, like doing well so yeah so you weren't you weren't uh you weren't questioning it yeah. but from that time where you know you run out of budget you're realizing mm-hmm. you're getting fucked you lawyer up mm-hmm. i mean this is like thing after thing after thing yeah how did you respond dude i it was so so it was such a hard hit to my ego because i was like i gotta leave right i was getting threatened these are like some of the people that they had around them were like some real like monsters bangers yeah. in new york and mm-hmm. new york's a different type of city people aren't like messing around you know what i mean it's uh i don't know if you guys have spent much time there but like people don't fuck around in new york it's a very like serious dangerous city if you're on the wrong side right yeah and so um i ended up being like dude i gotta bounce and so i flew back home to minnesota moved in with my parents like after being d1 being on the radio like huge recruit being a rap star like getting paid thousands of dollars just to show up places to being like, dude, I have no career. Football's over. I'm out of this music deal. Living in my parents' basement with no money, no prospects, nothing. I was like, I don't know what the fuck to do. So I started making more music. And then that's when I started sending it to Max Zotz. I knew him through a friend in New York. And I wanted him to manage me so bad, and he wouldn't for like a year. Until I just kept sending him music, sending him music. And then finally, I think he came to one of my shows. And was like, okay, this kid's got it. And then he would, called me after that and was like, all right, I get it. I'll manage you. And then the Sammy Adams stuff. And then I started doing more releases and just going independent. And then in the meantime, focusing on um, business stuff. Because I was like, I don't ever want to be broke again. It was, I hated yeah. it. I grew up poor. Then I moved in with the Harringtons, had some stability. And then I was poor again. And right. like I hated that feeling of like not having money, not knowing how to you know where i was going to pay my rent and stuff like that and so and concurrently to the music stuff i've taken the business stuff just as seriously i like that so in terms of like 
Cause what, it, what it sounds like too, I don't know. Like I know it definitely has to do with money and in, in mm-hmm. terms of like, yeah, dude, if you're broke, that, that shit sucks. Money's opportunity. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's like, dude, you probably were in a, a crazy shock. You know, I need to mention like your ego. Like, I mean, going from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, what did you kind of do to bring yourself out of those lows? I know you said make music, but was there mm-hmm. something more than that, that brought you out? I've always been someone that's fueled by like having an enemy. Like, I don't, ever since I was a kid, I don't know if, like, what it is, but having an adversary or someone I'm trying to prove wrong always makes me grind so much harder. And so that's kind of, that's kind of what I had in that moment when I'm back home, not knowing what to do. I was like, fuck those guys. Like, if they believed in me, they wouldn't have stole from me. Like, I'm going to show them what's up. And so, like, I just kind of, like, got in this psychosis of being, like, I have to make the best music I've ever made mm-hmm. and I need to find a way to get people to listen to it. Um, and so I don't know. It wasn't like I didn't get, I didn't let myself get in like a super depressed state and like just laying in bed. Like woe is me. That's never really been my personality. And so dude, I got in the gym, started working out and just started grinding on music. I love that. Cause like, there, I jumped right to it. That's freaking awesome too. Cause you know, I feel like, I mean, speaking for Andrew and myself and a lot of different people, um, I probably listen to this podcast. Like when you graduate college or you finish your sport or you like get fired from something or, mm-hmm. you know, something bad happens that's changing your life. Like it's an identity shift. And like, while Absolutely. that is a tough time, it is such a cool time. Cause it's just, you have like this blank sheet, this blank mold that you can make into whatever you want. Yeah. You can't sit down and do absolutely nothing. But at the same time, you can mold that into your next song, your next opportunity, mm-hmm. your next show, and then your next manager. And that's something that people need to realize is that you have to stop giving a fuck about your identity because your identity is only as you're perceived by the people around you, right? That's what your identity is, right? It doesn't matter what you think inside. It's how you're perceived by others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know who said it. You are only as you're perceived, right? Some philosopher said that. Sure. And so, and I truly believe that. And so everyone's so wrapped up in like, I'm this person, like I'm a football player, I'm a rapper, I'm this and that. And like, they don't take the time to actually think about like who they are as a human being and realizing no one actually gives a shit. Like if I quit rap today, no one's going to really give a shit. I might have some fans. They'd be like, oh, I miss this music, but there's so much out there. Like no one cares. And everyone like is so scared to take leaps and change paths because they're so afraid of being a failure like in the eyes of a bunch of people who are so caught up in their own lives that they don't really give a fuck about your life you know what i'm saying yeah and so i battle with that for so long like quitting football and like taking a step back from music for a while like all that stuff i'm always so concerned with like i mean i don't want people to think i'm whack or i don't want people to think like you know i'm a loser and it's like dude no one fucking cares (laughs) they really don't like there's life is so hectic that your like your career change is not on anybody's radar except for like your parents and your really close friends. And those people love you regardless. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you have nothing to lose by starting fresh and doing something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're spot on. I, uh, I just got a life coach and she challenged me to like write down five people's opinions that I care about that like bother me every day mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Cause I told her how I was struggling with like people having these, um, uh, judgments on me and I couldn't get over it and, and c- from getting fired and uh, ending a relationship, all this stupid stuff that I couldn't get out of my head. And she said, write down five people. 
And the people I wrote down were like my parents and my, my best friends, uh, my, one of my football coaches, my brothers. And I told this to Declan and Declan goes, dude, those five people and those are those five categories of people will care about you no matter what. Absolutely. Their opinions don't matter because you are a great person and you're trying your best to succeed. You might you might fail time and time again, but those people that you just mentioned will always believe in you. So I challenge you to pick five people that you might not interact uh, with on a, on a daily basis and look at those people like the Joe Rogans of the world who mm -hmm. are the ultimate podcasters and he's doing what he loves every single day. He's hanging out with the people that he loves and he has a great Shamelessly. family support. Shamelessly. Um He's like, look at those people and see, like, if you, if you are able to embody a daily routine that would, if Joe were to walk in and be like, hey, good for you doing what you love. Yeah, what's this back pocket thing? Joe walked in today. Like, yeah. what would he think? He's he like, well, really cool. Yes. You, guys, you guys built a studio out of your house and you talk to your friends. Yeah, and, dude. You know. And I do the exact same thing with music. It's like, so I always struggled with pandering to like a bunch of people that don't give a shit, right? pandering to the fans pandering to what i think will stream well on spotify in terms of the type of music that i make mm -hmm. i've always been like uh you know i just want to make sure that this is listenable and likable and you know all that stuff and i think it hindered my creative process and so i got to a point where i was like i just want to make music that i like and if like stevie wonder walked in or michael jackson or elton john would they be like i get it you know i get it this is cool like maybe not their cup of tea because it's such a different uh, genre and such a different era, but be like, this is dope. Like my song, Something to Prove, it's got like a rock vibe. And like we played every instrument, every sound you hear, like we're in the microphone clapping, like doing like little things, scratching a notebook to get like these little sounds that we created. And I feel like that's the type of music that I'm like, the most proud of that I feel like I could play for, you know, Ray Charles and be like, He'd be like, oh, okay, this is cool. Yeah, he's this doing what he cool loves, vibe. man, and he, yeah. he cares about it deeply. Yeah, he's not doing it for the for the majority. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's dope. Yeah, you can't that, pander dude. to to the masses. Mm -hmm. You just got to do what you want and be shameless about. It. I love the Joe Rogan reference. Yep, I watch him all the time, and I'm like, dude, you know how many people he's around that are like anti weed, anti left, anti right. You know all this different stuff, and he's just Joe Rogan. Mm -hmm. He's like, this is me. Love me, hate me. I don't care. Plus, you can kick majority of people's ass, probably. Yes. You know, okay. <laughs> My buddy uh, recently had dinner with him in Las Vegas. Really? And he was like, dude, Joe Rogan is huge. Like, he's, like, way jacked, like, more jacked than you think he would be. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and this is someone, like, who doesn't hype things up. He's very pessimistic and very, like, two feet, two feet to the ground. But he was like, this dude is fucking jacked yeah, and he's like five eight five nine yeah. so he's that italian just yeah dude jacked. i love joe rogan <laughs> oh, he's, he's the man yeah he's great the uh well it's crazy too about how hard he works like it's mm -hmm. it's really cool and you know back to both of you guys' points of um not really caring about what other people think but at the same time like look at what you're doing like you're making music putting yourself out there mm -hmm. that's incredibly vulnerable we've recorded over 200 podcasts that's incredibly vulnerable um but like Joe doing that same thing and hearing his experiences like through Sober October last year with all of mm -hmm. his buddies and they're working out like six, seven, eight hours a day. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, I personally can never see myself do that, but I sure as hell want to get to a point where, you know, I'm that dedicated and disciplined in my own life because mm -hmm. that's what I want to do. Yeah. It's crazy absolutely. to think about it that way. Mm -hmm. Blows my mind. Um, but going um, more towards the present and future of Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. So I know you mentioned on AOG Austin Harrington's podcast, which by the way, go, everyone go listen to that one. If you want to learn a lot about 
Pharaoh, how the hell Pharaoh got as jacked as he did because it's all because <laughs> Austin Harrington, his brother. Yeah, there um, you go. But I wanted I kind of asked like where you kind of envision yourself going in for to this year end or mm-hmm. what kind of uh, goals or things you're trying to accomplish at this point. Man, I got so many different things in the works there you that go. I'm excited about, and uh, yeah, I feel like I definitely have like gotten to a point where I'm like, all right, I need to dial back, I need to delegate, I need to like really focus on a couple things that are really important to me because I've been spreading myself so thin lately. Mm. Um, but one thing I'll announce for the first time, I don't think I've said this anywhere publicly. Breaking news. Um, breaking news on the back pocket is I started a band and we're dropping a full project already recorded in Los Angeles. We're just finishing the visuals and it's called Russell Ave. I grew up on Russell Avenue North in Minneapolis and the band is called Russell Ave. Um, and so I'm super excited about that. I've been working with a few different labels. Who's in the um, band? So it's uh, two Minnesota kids. One's my brother, and one is a kid named Dex Barstad. He's an insane guitar player, like Whoa. sick. And uh, he actually produced a bunch of my music, Amanda Bynes, um, Something to Prove, all this stuff. So he's a producer, engineer, guitar player. He's an incredible musician. I always make my best music when he's in the room. Um, and so, and you're the lead singer? Singer, songwriter. Mm-hmm. I make a bunch of the music. Okay. I sit and produce. We all like have music minds. My brother's an incredible drummer. He's drummed with Kendrick Lamar, Wiz Khalifa. Like he's been a professional drummer for a long time. Oh, so sick. he's insane. Together we've done you know, a thousand shows. We just haven't done any shows as a unit. Mm-hmm. Um, so Russell Lav, I think our first song is going to drop first week of October. It's called "You Make Me Feel Like Somebody," and it, uh, I'll have to play it for you guys after. Oh, Beautiful. Yeah. Let's, yeah. I got to make sure this podcast. It's going to be released. The what's next? Fir- what's next week? The thirtieth. It's going to be released on the 1st. Okay. No, the 30th. Monday, the 30th, right? Yeah, Monday yeah. the 30th. Yeah. So, so the next day. Coming yeah. Tomorrow. Right after. Yep. Yeah. Tomorrow. Right <laughs> after. Is there 30 days in September? Yes, I just looked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you know that rule? Yeah, the skipping through your knuckles. Yeah. Yeah. How does it go, Ty? I always do it where, so I only do it with one hand. I see you have two hands up, but I you start on like the, if you fa- put the fist towards you, start on the leftmost knuckle, and you go January, February, March, April, and every knuckle that's, like every part that's high is 31 days and when you go down it's 30 days but then at the end of your hand you have to hit it twice to go back so it's january february march april may june july snake draft august on that same one august gets two picks yep yeah september is 30 october is 31 nice that's oh. a cool little trick thank you actually that's what i like that yeah, you learn something new on the back pocket there you go dude. like when i go to a like fancy dinners fundraisers and that type of thing you know there's so much uh cutlery and so many different plates and bread and yeah. drinks and stuff. And uh, so I go like this. And yes. I'm like, the D is my drink. The B is my bread. Yep. And I'm like, that's how I can know. So I'm not grabbing someone else's shit. Because it's all so close together. Yeah. Um. So I'll, you'll see me under the table. like. Yep. <laughs> <looking> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, yeah, I, learned that, I learned that yeah. one in cotillion class, dude. Oh, really? My mom made me go to cotillion class. Oh, when you're I was in fancy. Fifth grade, dude. Yeah. And they, they would like host this at like... Uh, rented out those big rented out spaces in like hotels or museums okay. and they'd put on like a whole nice meal kind of like what yeah. you're explaining and then they would teach you how to dance and there would be like sixth grade boys and sixth grade girls and you'd have to learn how to like square dance and do all these other dances dude what do you ex- remember anything from it other than like this the b's and the d's 
Not much else, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Well, if you ever get a refresher, you'd be a killer wedding date. You should put that out yeah, there. Yeah, like, hey, dude. Oh, I yeah. know this, this, this. Like that's like perfect wedding date material. I bet yeah. you look good in a suit too. Yeah, I look pretty decent in a suit as yeah. long as like I fit myself a little bit to them. Because like, dude, ever since I am done, was done with football, like I was a mm-hmm. a large kind of pushing an XL. I had a mm-hmm. thick ass neck, um, neck here. Uh, the but anyways, like I lost like 20, 20, 25 pounds. And so like none of my clothes fit me. Yeah. So I started selling them all on Poshmark. Mm-hmm. That worked out pretty well. So now I got to turn and burn it for new clothes to fit me. And oh, yeah. Become a wedding day. I can have a conversation with anybody. Not going to brag there. I can have a conversation with a lot of people. Yeah. So it's an impressive yeah. trade of yours. I'm yeah. sure you guys know a lot about a lot too from all the different people you've had on. And mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of, I don't know how valuable that yeah. is, but. <laughs> yeah. It's super valuable to be able to have a conversation with anybody, mm-hmm. even just on a surface level. Yeah. Like yeah. and not surface sound level. like think, an idiot. Yes. Like we don't know a lot about a lot. We know just enough about a lot yeah, to have the conversation. A little bit a lot. A little bit a lot. Yeah. Yes. I like and I that. think that would be our average quality, just knowing just the baseline of how to <laughs> maintain a conversation. Yeah. Um, and that's not Susan. <laughs> with aunt Susie, so she feels welcomed and warmed yeah mm-hmm. um, at her own wedding 100 <laughs> percent. yeah i love that and uh, i mean that's our average quality being these uh these conversationalists at times um but i'd love to ask you farrah what your average quality is so this is something you do well at times and other times not so well at the end of the day it's your average quality so jimmy farrow what is your average quality my average quality something i do well at times and not so well at other times yes but i'm just consistently average at. yeah the yes. other the other way I would explain it is like it's something that you care about but you're not as good as you want to be at it yet. And okay. that's kind of how we let in as we're conversationalists. We're podcasters, but we're not the yeah. best podcasters out there. Every day we're trying to get a little bit better. Yeah. All right. I think probably my eating, my dieting. Mm. That's something that I know so much about. I'm very well informed and I'm really crazy about it sometimes. And then other times I just eat like a slob mm-hmm. and I get super dark. And like, you want to talk about me getting depressed? That's when I get depressed is when I like eat like shit, miss a couple workouts and I'm just like, uh, I self-loathe and a lot of self-hatred comes out. Oh, yeah. Um, which, hot take, self-hatred is the key to success. <laughs> Yo, what? Hot take. <laughs> that is too hot for me. Well, I'm out. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say uh, f- self-hatred followed by accountability. Boom. Okay, I'm right? telling you because complacency is the death, right? When you're when you're, it's self hatred is just you know a way to get people to click on it, right? Yeah, that's the clickbait. But part. yeah, exactly. You but gotta, really, it's like you know you're you're in a position where you're so uncomfortable with your situation, right? You you hate what you're doing or you hate the situation that you're in, and when you're uncomfortable, that's what's going to breed change, right? Just like you tear your muscles to build them up. And, you know, when you're comfortable and you're complacent, that's when you're dying, you're losing. And so when I say, like, self-hatred is the key to success, like, I will get so down on myself about, like, missing workouts that I'll go full psycho mode for, like, a month. And, like, anytime I, like, have a meta view of myself and I'm doing a self-assessment and I'm unhappy with a certain aspect of my life, it makes me go two times, three times harder in that lane and always, like, breed success. Mm. All right. All right, I vibe with that a little bit more. Yeah. Because I'm thinking on the golf course when I freaking shank three shots in a row and then I keep going, oh, I fucking suck. Oh, yeah, shit. but then I... if you took that and then for the next month you just golfed religiously because you wanted to get better, mm-hmm. that's where it's the key to That's success. where the tides turn. Right, because right. you get so upset with yourself that you're like, never again. Yep. Yeah. You know or we're I mean? coming up mm-hmm. on the turn uh, on Sunday when we were golfing with Austin Harrington. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Austin's, 
you know, just like yourself, very well versed in this health industry. Yeah. And uh, Andrew, you want to tell him what you were trying, what you were craving, and yeah. why you're playing so bad? Yeah, I was. I got a little hungry, a little hangry at the end of the, the end of the first nine, and Austin was in my cart, and I just go, dude, I need a nine thirty in the morning turn hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> a hot dog at hot nine thirty in the morning. I just that like, is I, the whitest <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. Oh my god! I was like, I just need, a, I just need a, a hot dog from the clubhouse, and I'll be able to straighten out my drive. And Austin looks at me, and goes, "Dude, I'm reading this book right now, and it told it told me that the people that live the longest have eat the most, uh, the smallest amount of animal meat." And I go, "Oh, that's pretty cool to know, but I'm still craving this hot dog." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what makes us sick people, as we yep. know exactly what we're doing wrong. That's why food like has such an impact on me, because yeah. I know what I'm doing wrong. And I still do it. Like, I'll just rip through a whole pack of Starburst, like, playing Call of Duty. And I'm just like, dude, like, that is so gross. Mm-hmm. But it's so good. You know what <laughs> I mean? So good. Like, God, dude. Dude, I made, a, I made a, a big old dent in a family size uh, extra toasty Cheez-Its this weekend. Dude. Oh, yeah. And then, like, shortly thereafter, the self-hatred, decky self-hatred, I booked every single day 530 workouts at altar so exactly it's like, that's it's what it takes self-hatred is the key to success <laughs> told you, <laughs> you get, say that, dude. get dark baby yeah, get run dark a, run a campaign on yeah that. let yourself yeah exactly we'll see how well it does right <laughs> the uh, i'll post on linkedin literally yeah. i'll clip that one out and post on linkedin we'll see how it does i bet it gets clicks self-hatred is the key to success <laughs> <laughs> oh man well i had something i was gonna say anyway bag it dude yeah. next question uh, what's not in my back pocket is remembering the next question, but what is in my back pocket is consistency mm-hmm. where I'm showing up every single day. Um, just grinding my ass off. Yeah. I'm a little burnt out. Yeah. I'm a little tired, but that's what I got in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. What would be in your back pocket? This is something where, um, when pressure becomes stress, anxiety is rising. Um, what kind of mental attribute or quality or thing do you rely on to come out on top? I think, I don't know how to like articulate it in a way that actually, captures what it is that goes on in my brain but i have this way of seeing the world for what's actually going on and not letting like emotions and other things like cloud my vision and understanding of the current situation and Mm. so you'll like my girlfriend or my brother or anyone they always hear me or they'll tell me like oh you just see what's actually going on sometimes instead of like you know having my own opinions and things weigh into the situation And so I don't know if you just call it being rational or what, but like I'll look at a situation and be like, here's what's actually going on and here's what needs to change. I'm very calm about it. I'm not a panicky person. I don't get very worked up um, easily. Like I'm a very like mellow, level headed person in like pressure situations. It's probably why I kick Austin's ass all the time in basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, But in my back pocket, I think it's just being rational and like just analyzing the situation and being okay when the outcome isn't in my favor because i'm looking at him like there is just no outcome that's going to be in my benefit and that's the way the cookie crumbles mm. what is that shout out to uh jim carrey jim carrey bruce yeah. almighty yeah there yes, you sir. go <laughs> that's just the way yeah, the cookie crumbles no. i think it's a little practicality a little gary v mm-hmm. just kind of understanding the situation at hand and and how you play a role into it and being um, able to look at it from a meta view and, mm-hmm. like, looking down on yourself. Like, I don't feel like people do that enough. Everyone just looks through their own eyes. And they don't ever just think about, like, imagine if you were looking down at this plan, this scene that's playing out, right? So sometimes, and my girlfriend thinks this is really weird, but I'll talk about myself in third person, like, to myself when I'm weighing a decision. And I'd be like, and this sounds weird, but I'm, there's been studies that have been done that show that people who 
think about decisions in third person are much happier with the outcomes and the choices that they make because then it's almost like you're writing your own screenplay for your life right or writing your own book about your life in real time so i'll think to myself like james wants to hit snooze right now and go back to bed or he can get up and work out with his brother at five in the morning and like i'll say like my name you know in third person it sounds really weird but it's makes it such an easy decision it's when it's like a no-brainer it's like of course i'm not gonna be a lazy bum like when you put it in perspective like that mm-hmm. it's a it's a really weird thing but you guys should try it out yeah it's and a perspective just, change yeah it makes you look at it from a meta view and so you're looking at what's going on you're not thinking about like your current emotional state yeah or like how you're feeling you're like these are the two decisions which one do you choose mm-hmm. or which one does the character choose whatever right yeah um but it helps me make good decisions consistently especially early in the morning that's where I, like if you kill the first yes. couple hours like then you have a pretty good day usually um, and that's where I battle the most. The victory hour. Yeah, the victory hour. The uh, I think what's really cool about that is like a lot of that is timeless. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're not only taking a perspective change um, outwards to look at the current present situation, but at the same time you're evaluating your longevity or long term uh, legacy mm-hmm. based on that decision yeah right small tiny little like you're decision. looking at it as like the the james sparrow timeline like mm-hmm. okay you've done all these great things or bad things up to this point you're now faced with your next decision here's where you want to go here's where you don't want to go and maybe if you don't do anything this is where you could stay yeah james is deciding to go to the gym and be productive or sit here and play call of duty right and like when you say it like that it's disgusting to think that you would choose the the, uh, the latter yeah, like yeah. it's so it, you know what i mean it just puts it in this weird perspective but I'm, I'm not kidding there's been studies that have been done i don't know what they are off the top of my head but um you should check it out it's pretty cool i read all about it yeah awesome oh, amazing man. i love that good perspective in your back pocket goes a long mm-hmm. way and one perspective that uh, mary lavore gave us mm-hmm. she sat here in june this year and said you need to have Jimmy Farrow on your show. And we said, challenge accepted. Yeah. This is, a, this is a part in the show, the back end of our show, where you've been able to experience now an hour of back pocket. Uh-huh. So we're curious if you have someone inside uh, the Farrow network that you'd be like, they'd be an awesome guest. They'd be an awesome conversation to have with the back pocket guys. Mary led us to you. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if you have anyone else that you want to continue the train of this little challenge we got going. Let's see. God, I got a pretty cool network. Um, <laughs> So what are the, what type of people do you guys usually have? Anyone? Uh, yes. Any type yeah. of... We love to have people in the Twin Cities. Yep. Um, so we can have them in the studio. That's been like yeah. 99% of our guests this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but people that really want to share their story, whether they're uh, like the Austin Harringtons of the world coming on and, and on one. the come up. Okay. I got one. Mm-hmm. His name's Matt Williams. He's one of my older friends. He owns his own company. Have you ever been to the Target Center, Jack Links? You see that? Like, yes. As, yeah. Right. He, his company built all that out. He like does all the build outs for like Red Bull, all these sick companies. He's got great stories, super high energy guy, gives me some of the best advice I've ever had. Amazing analogies and metaphors. Like he's got this thing called Stony Shores where he's like you build your castle and you can either have sand and it gets eroded by people's opinions and they're pulling at you and all this stuff. He's like, or you can have Stony Shores. It's not as nice to look at, but your house is going to be safe. Mm. And like, he has explained it like uh, in context right um but he just has these like such such cool stories he's got an amazing family so i would say matt williams if you guys can lock him in 
And he might give you guys some uh, Vikings tickets, too. He's got right. season tickets. Right. Challenge accepted. Yeah, so <laughs> maybe you can squeeze out some Vikes tickets, too. <laughs> is, he, uh, is, is the company construction? Is he, like... Um, no, so uh, it's I still am grasping what he does. Mm-hmm. So they they create environments. Gotcha. Is how he explains Feng Shui it. guy. Yeah, so, like, you wow. walk into, like, a hotel, and, like, he makes them, like, so you feel like you're underwater and, like... You know, oh. he's got these, like, books that he's, like, showing me of like, stuff his company's done in different countries and all this stuff. Like, they're killing. Um, but it's it's still something I'm trying to grasp. So, are they, like, temp build-outs or are they, like, full remodels from the inside? I think he does both. Yeah, it sounds yeah, like a remodel. He puts on, like, me. shows. Mm-hmm. Like, he, I mean, he's showing me this thing where they flew in, like, four tons of sand and had sand sculptures built in this, like, lobby area. Sounds um, like, like So, someone came and, like, yeah, right. But someone <laughs> came and, like carved out all this like you know sand that they flew in and stuff yeah. i don't know it's really cool stuff right on man that yeah. sounds awesome he'd be, yeah. he'd be great i met him um i sat next to him courtside at a timberwolves game it's like some bald white guy and yeah. he started talking to me i'm like get out of here man <laughs> and then uh you know we started talking a little more i was like okay he's cool he's really cool and he's like on the committee for i think mr basketball Okay. And like he's cool. yeah, he's he's plugged in. Sweet. He's a really All cool right. guy. All right. He's I feel like this is a perfect and, guest. Yeah. You know, this yeah is, he's great. This has got a lot of fun roots here. Yes. And, and at Back Pocket Corp. We're really excited about Matt Williams coming on the show. Mm-hmm. And before I open the door to ask you some questions, uh, Pharaoh, I'd love to give our intern right here, intern Ty, an opportunity to ask a question. What you've up, been, Ty? You've been sitting there awfully patient. Oh, well, you taught us the the knuckle thing. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. cool. Trying to like provide that. value to it. That I was can. absolute value. Yeah, mm-hmm. I try. So I'm always curious, like mm-hmm. going to concerts at like you know, around like first Ave or at like varsity, you always mm-hmm. have these sort of these main guys come on, but then they usually bring like one or two openers. And yeah. It's always interesting when you're in a room full of college students and you don't always feel like these openers are like connecting with the audience. You kind of yeah. feel like they're, it's falling flat. And honestly, I've, I've been to a couple concerts where I just feel bad for them. I'm like, yeah. nobody's really picking up on the vibe. You've been in that situation before. What is it like as, as a performer where you, draw a lot of your energy from the crowd mm-hmm. where the crowd's giving you nothing in return because they don't know who you are like, what is that like from oh they i mean i can't really speak to that because you only I, get good vibes from no the I've, I've had one bad show okay i've had one and i mean i've gone i went i did a, a show in boston and my computer froze mid-show and it was still an incredible show i did stand-up comedy for six minutes oh what the i shit? stayed up there and i, I got Damn. video footage of it I'm over there just telling jokes. I'm, like, clowning on people in the crowd. I pulled someone up. We did a beer chugging contest where the whole crowd was like, chug, chug, chug. Damn. I got killed by some little fratty white kid. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but, you know, I throw the beer in the crowd, and it's just entertaining. Like, yeah. And that was no music. Mm-hmm. I did one song. Dude, that and takes it was some still, serious It was balls. still so lit. Like, the crowd was, like, so hype. Um, but I did one bad show, but I don't really think it had anything to do with me. I know that sounds narcissistic, but... I was in San Diego, and I'd never been to this uh, this club before. It was a you know small concert hall or whatever, and it was just a bunch of Mexican cholos, just a bunch of Mexican gangsters, and they stood in the front row like this. Mean mugging you the whole time. Didn't move. There was not one like young kid there. It was just a bunch of like 30-year-old dudes, and they just stood like that the entire time. And I was like, get me off this fucking stage, dude. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, for those guys that do experience that, Number one, you have to realize no one cares about you being up there. No one's there to see you. Like, you got to put your ego out the door and realize that you're there to entertain. They're not there to hear your message. They're not there to hear your music. You're there to entertain. And I always say, be a firework. Go up. Go fucking crazy. Go shorter than your set. 
like people try and stay up there and get as much time as they can it's like dude if they give you 10 minutes do six go up be a fucking firework turn it up get a lot of crowd interaction always pay homage to the person that's performing after because then you'll get the whole crowd on your side so i open for mike Mm. stud i'll be you know i'll kneel down and be like everybody get real quiet real quiet and everyone will get real quiet and we'll kneel down and then i'll go mike stud mike stud my and they're on your side just like that they're like oh you like Mike Stud? we like mike stud you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and that's it like you just gotta realize no one's there to see you and so just be entertaining Mm mm-hmm yeah that's, that's awesome. pretty much it that's that back pocket mentality keeping the uh the perspective the back, yeah. check in checking your perspective mm-hmm. that's dope love that absolutely mm-hmm. that's some serious balls to have your computer die out on you and then do stand up and be like an entertainer uh, just totally on the whim of your feet yeah that's dude. impressive yeah i was that's like what's going on mm-hmm. da, da, da. and my dj's like it's frozen it's frozen and i just turned to the crowd and i was like yo our computer fucking froze but, you know, I'm still here. And, I'm, you know, I was like, so we might as well just get fucked up. Who's got beer? And then people started, you know what I'm saying? And, like, and then just kept, like, snowballing. And That's awesome. People were like, this dude's funny. And, like, he knows how to party. He gets it's, it. like, talking to chicks and, like, making fun of people. And, you know what I mean? It was just super natural. But at the same time, I was like, look back on it. And I was like, dude, I blacked out. I have no idea. <laughs> Not, like, from alcohol. But I just mean, sure. like, you know, in, like, there's Mentally. certain football games and, like, plays where you're just, like, I don't even remember doing that. And you watch it on film and you're like, oh, that was tight. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so many, like, uh, you got the laser pointer. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? <laughs> there's so many times, like, in sports even. Yes. Where I'm like, I don't even remember, like, that touchdown run or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you see it on film and you're like, yeah, like, I remember doing it. But it's talk about flow state. Like, you're so in the zone that, I mean, you don't even, you're not even thinking. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what it was like. I wasn't even, like thinking about it. i was just fucking natural around. it just came to you yeah which and, is realize, awesome. and not taking yourself too seriously because people are like oh, i'm off the stage then you know whatever i'm like all right then let's just turn up i guess like i don't know i you love just gotta, it can't take yourself too seriously I, i've no. realized that and i do that a lot mm-hmm. not so much anymore but i used to like be like everything has to be perfect and now i'm just like let's just go have fun man people are gonna vibe whether or not and usually they are if you're having a good time. Yeah, if you're authentic about it. Yeah, for I sure. love that. Um, so this is a time of the podcast where we like to congratulate ourselves for asking great questions. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So we we did great on this. Fucking crush this yeah, podcast. Thanks for the snaps, man. Yeah. Yeah. You've been great yourself. Yes, you um, have. So we're gonna give you an opportunity now. Do you have any questions for us? I would love to ask you guys some questions. Okay. So let me think here. When you guys are considering moving to L.A., is that just something that you're just snowballing or is it a serious thing that you guys want to hammer down? And if so, what's the timeline? Mm, wow. Um, I don't know if L.A. was is necessarily like the pinpoint location, but we have spent the last year, literally we're on, we're over 100 podcasts since February when we started uh, this third year of podcasting. And we've stuck to a business plan of just dominate the sandbox. Get every single person on the Twin Cities that you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Get all the big names. Talk to them exactly about what and have conversation, conversations with them. Um, what we're realizing is that model can be duplicated anywhere. We were just walking through the idea of L.A. and ideas, names are popping into my head. We mm-hmm. could do that in Colorado where I'm from or Chicago where Andrew's from. But I think there's something bigger there that we – are trying to go after maybe and try and utilize our time and our podcast to kind of pursue that 
what that is, we don't really know, but we know that our season three is ending November 21st. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to just, my challenge right now is to stay present, stay present, interviewing Pharaoh, understanding we're in this third story of a frat house uh, <laughs> that I live at, at. And we get to have these conversations. It's the coolest damn thing in the world. But yeah, what I know is like, this is going to, we're going to build this thing to something. We're going to build this thing, this back pocket into something special one day. And I don't want to lose this. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going through my head. There's a lot of things we're doing. We're in three podcasts a week, but ultimately man, like stay present, but at the same time have that James Farrell perspective of like, okay, dude, what decision can you make to get you to that next? Yeah, point? absolutely. So anything absolutely. else, Andy? No, good answer, man. Okay. That was a great answer. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Me that up. was a great, and I got, I got some stuff <laughs> okay. I'd love to talk to you guys about off air. Mm-hmm. Okay. We don't want to give out the formula until we've executed. You of course. Know of course. Amen to that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Um, okay. So last, is this last question? Final question. Unless right. you have any other questions for us. I'll, I'll ask you guys a little later. Okay. 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 Perfect. All right. Um, what did you learn today from the time you woke up to the time we're recording now? Very simple question. What did I learn today? Yes. Yeah. Huh. Um, well, I learned about cryotherapy. Mm. Yo. Yeah. So I did my first like cryo chamber. Did you go to the, uh, the zone by lifetime? I was in lifetime. Yeah. Okay. So this was the zone. Mm -hmm. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know Clara? Uh, no, it was a guy named Jake. (sighs) Ah, all right. We know Clara. She does marketing for the zone. Okay. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I learned a little bit about that. It was like negative 120 degrees. It wasn't as cold as I thought it was going to be. It was still very uncomfortable, and I was using a little Wim Hof breathing to oh, try yeah. and oh, like, yeah. <laughs> get myself going. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. just trying to survive. Find your flow state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, exactly. this kid, Andrew did, like, full-on Wim Hof, like, all of sophomore year, yeah. just trying to find his flow state. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Read his book. I was so in tune with Wim. The dude, dude Wim. <laughs> gnarly, right? Um, so I learned about that. That's something that I, I learned today that I didn't know much about beforehand. I was walking past. I had a back injury last week, and I was like... Mm. You know, maybe I'll go on this a few times and check it out. Um, and I thought it was pretty cool. I'll, I'll definitely go back. Right Sick, on, dude. dude. Yeah. All right. Because I'm a little nervous with cryotherapy. I thought that's what uh, that's how women got pregnant for a little bit. He did say that on the back end show. Uh, what? Yeah, he said that. He went live with that. I don't know why. Input Andrew saying that here. Uh, we'll get that up. But uh, did you have to wear socks and yeah, oh, okay. socks, shoes, gloves? Ah. You don't want to be burnt like Antonio Brown. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, he did it for like 20 minutes. I was in there for three minutes. Yeah, he's a knucklehead. Yeah, it was, mm-hmm. I mean, he's out of the league now. He's retired, baby. He's done. That's you think he's th- actually done? No. No. No No chance. Hard no? Hard, hard no? Hard no. All right, three hard no's. What, what, what do, do you, you think? think? All right, I, I, dude, I think he might be out. I think what? he might get, uh, I think he might get um, Colin Kaepernick, mm. where everyone's really? just like, you're not worth it. You're not worth the baggage. Yeah, Tim Tebow's kind of same takes, thing. Yeah. Especially if he takes like a full season off, like if he doesn't come back like with his tail between his legs, like I don't think he's gonna have a shot. I think people might just be done with him. I, could, I was thinking uh, the Bengals or the Cowboys. That someone was, might give him a pick. shot, but yeah. that that someone was the Patriots. Like that's who before they even announced it, everyone was like, "Oh, he's for sure gonna go to the Pats." They take those guys that are troubled or whatever, mm-hmm. and they give him a second chance, a second win, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. and he. I mean, I guess he didn't really blow it up, like, Yeah, because it was the allegations Yeah, it wasn't, like, per se his fault. I mean, obviously his baggage. Previous fault, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't like he had a fight with Belichick or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I think he's done. Yeah. And right. Austin has him in fantasy. I told him, hang it up, baby. <laughs> Did he just, you see he reported for class, Antonio Brown? No. He's got, a, he's got a college schedule. He starts October 21st. Where is he going? I don't know. What school? Do you know? 
I don't know. I know he went to like Central, Central Michigan. Michigan. Six yeah, round no, he's got. He's taking like four there. classes a full semester. All right, Antonio. <laughs> he posted his yeah, yeah. class schedule. No, I I like that move. He'll be back in the league if he's going to college. Yeah. Le- right. Get learned up a little bit. Yeah, hey, I hope man. so. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank Phenomenal you. podcast. Appreciate it.